Hey, this is Stan Gibbons, the lead pastor of Northside Bible Church. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope this strengthens and inspires you. We want to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. If there's anything we can do, please reach out to us at northsidemobile.org or you can message us on Facebook and Twitter. Enjoy the sermon. So we are calling our series Rooted, Grounded, and Growing. And uh, we are going to use Psalm 1 as the anchor for that. And it's going to take us a while to get through Psalm 1, so don't get in a hurry. I would encourage you to read it a lot. Let it speak to you. Psalm 1 is one of my favorite psalms because I've used it for almost 35 years now in my life personally. Once I studied it, I realized it's the perfect discipleship uh, chapter. It's only six verses long, but it deals with everything that you have to do to be faithful in your walk with Christ. It deals with life and death. It deals with, uh, it deals with uh, those who love God and those who don't love God. There's just so much in this psalm. So we're going to read the verse, read it together, or I'll read it out loud to you and you listen. <clears throat> uh, psalm chapter 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we're going to take just an overview of this psalm today and and catch the highlights. It's a very beautiful psalm to start the book of Psalms. Uh, Most people believe David is the writer of this psalm. There's a lot of others that may have had hand in it, but it sounds very Davidic if you know David's writings. And uh, a lot of people believe it was put at the beginning of the book of Psalms, which is a book of songs. For the Hebrew people so that they would get the entire plan of God, the entire plan of God for mankind in one six-verse song is right up front. So it presents the ultimate desire God has for for mankind. It presents the way a man can be favored by God, and it presents the way a man can ruin his life um, and destroy his life and throw it away. So Psalm 1 is this beautiful six-verse song that starts with a very rich set of contrast. If you, uh, some of you are starting to learn how to dig deeper into the treasures of the scriptures with me. And there's a beautiful contrast in this psalm. It just continually sets up contrast. Verses 1 through 3 are about life with God. Verses 4 through 6 are about death without God. If you have God, you have life. If you don't have God, you have death. Verses 1 through 3 are about the godly man. Blesses the man who's uh, he, in other words, he's favored. He, the, verse 1 through 3 is about the godly man. Verses 4 through 6 is about the wicked man. It says, verse 6, verse 4, the wicked are not so. So you have godly men and wicked men in this, in this six verses. Verses 1 through 3 are about the favor of God. <clears throat> while verse 4 through 6 are about the judgments of God. There's favor and there's judgment. It explains God. This, this psalm explains God beautifully. Verses 1 through 3 are about God's blessing and commendations to a man. God blesses and commends men who seek the Word, who study the Word, who dig into the Word. Verses 4 through 6 are about God's curse 
and God's condemnation to men who turn from Him and are wicked in their ways. So in Psalm 1, you really have all of this beauty of this contrast. You have all that God intended for man in His overall strategy for abundant life. If you want to know how to have abundant life, a good life, Psalm 1 will solve it for you. And you, need, you can use a lot of other scriptures, but Psalm 1 covers the base top to bottom. You understand what I'm telling you? So uh, the overall strategy for abundant life is there. You also have the consequences of people who will not strive to follow God, who will not strive to accept the plans of God. They turn from God's plan for their life. God's the designer, the creator and designer of us. Everyone in this room was designed by God. You're, you were in his schematic uh, he had a plan for you. It actually says he created you unto good works. He has a plan for you tomorrow. He set up plans for you to serve him tomorrow already. So he's had a, a plan for you. It says he, he knitted you in, the, in your mother's womb, and then he has a plan for your whole life. And those that follow God's plan, according to Psalm 1, are favored by God, and those who turn from God's plan are considered wicked and are judged by God. God made promises to his people all throughout the Old Testament um, and his promise was life, this is what he kept telling the Israelites, life is with me. Stay with me, the one true God, the holy God, Jehovah God, stay with me. Follow my instructions and you will have life. You will have abundant life, blessings. I'm going to send you to a land filled with flowing with milk and honey, a land you can't even describe, it's so beautiful. I'm going to take care of you and protect you from all your enemies. The Old Testament, God made tons of promises to his people that following God in his way brings life. In the New Testament, Jesus promised abundant life. All who follow him get, John chapter 10, abundant life. And you guys know I teach this all the time. Abundant life is joy, hope, and peace. If your life has joy, hope, and peace, you've found the abundant life. And if you don't have those, by the way, those aren't uh, emotions. They're character qualities that are given by God for followers of God. He gives us His joy. He promises us not our joy, but His joy. He promises us not our peace, but His peace. And He promises us not our hope. Like, you know, I hope I do better tomorrow. That's my hope. I'm hoping in me. He promises us His hope. It's His hope, His joy, and His peace that give us abundant life. God wanted all of us, wants all of us to have that. Everybody sitting in this room, God wants each one of you to have that abundant life. He wants you to have joy, hope, and peace in your life. And He wants your life to be filled with goodness and blessings. But He also warns His people in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, He warns His people that death and destruction is without... If you go without God, if you choose a different path and walk away from God, you're choosing not to follow God and you're going to find death and destruction and calamity and adversity and strife. Now some of you have lived a life just like that where you literally have run away from God and you've found adversity and strife, right? But it's not found when you're with God. It's found when you're away from God. So it's very painful to, to see people running from God. So I want you to hear me real clear this morning. If you get nothing else, we're going to take a couple of notes here before we do our baptism for Ethan. Uh, but I want you to hear me real clear. Abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven is when you are with God. God. You have to be with Him. You can't be doing your own thing and calling on Him every so often. You can't be pretending like you know a lot about Him or studying about Him and trying to, trying to know a little bit here and there and manipulate God into your life. Abundant life, according to the Psalms, 
is when you are with God, step by step, you're with Him. You're walking with Him. You're seeking Him for His plan and direction for your life, not your plan and His blessing. You're not, asking, you're not telling God, hey, here's what I want to do. Will you bless that? No. You're going, God, what do you want me to do so that I am blessed? Point me in the direction, and I'm following your plan. And I'm going to look at the detailed instructions of Scripture, and I'm going to follow them very, very carefully. Right? That's what it means to follow God. And you can try thousands of other ways to find joy, hope, and peace on this earth. Thousands of them. Some of you have tried hundreds already. <laughs> and it just falls flat. You know, there's no career, there's no relationship, there's no, no drug, there's no plan for your life that's going to bring you joy, hope, and peace. There's nothing that's going to bring you life, capital L, capital I, capital F, capital E. Nothing brings you life if God's not in it. Nothing. You have to have God in your life, amen? And you have to get God in the center of your life and place Him in the, on the throne of your life and let Him be your leader. Nothing else ever works. So let me give you three or two statements that are really strong. Then we're going to close with uh, three New Testament verses. <clears throat> it is possible for you to choose God's plan in the good times. It is possible for you to choose God's plans when the times are good. One of the things God the Father worried about with Israel was when I give you everything and your life gets real good, you're going to turn away from me. But He made it crystal clear through those prosperous times, you can choose God still. You can praise Him and thank Him for what you have, for the blessings you have, and you don't, you don't have to get blessed and then turn away from God like you did it all. Now, there's some great illustrations in the New, Old and New Testament about that, but you don't have to. So I want you to hear that it's possible for you to choose God's plan in the good times. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I know some of y'all don't even know where Deuteronomy is, but you'll find it. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Here's uh, Moses explaining a bunch of cool stuff. And he says, For this commandment which I commanded you today is not too difficult. Verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. This, we're going to get to verse 15. Verse 11, you will back up a little bit. This commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you. It's not in heaven that you should say who will go up to heaven for us to get it or to make us here that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will cross the sea for us to get it as to make us here that we may observe it. So that the text is actually saying God didn't make His ability to follow Him so hard, you can't get to it. It's not across the sea. For them, that was a very complicated problem. It's not up in heaven where you can't get to it. Your ability to obey Him is not difficult. The command which I command you, verse 11, this is a great verse to memorize. The command which I command you, you want to go this, Stephen? Okay, try that. The command which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of your reach. You hear me? I'd like you to say it's not too difficult. That's every command he gives in the Bible. Every command. When he tells you to think pure thoughts, pure thoughts, it's hard. It's not too difficult. He tells you to, to use your resources for his glory, not yours. It's hard, but it's not too difficult. You understand? It's not too difficult. So I really want to encourage you on this verse. Now look at verse 15. Here's what God says. And it's, it's really Psalm 1 sort of summarized. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, in that I commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, statutes, and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. 
I've given you the chance to have life in me. That's what he's saying. I'm giving you the chance to have life in me. Stay with me. Follow me. Verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. If you be a follower of God, permanent follower of God, then you, your, your life's in trouble, right? So it's possible. Now, let me show you the second thing that's possible, and this is a very weird text. I'd like you to look it up. Jeremiah 21, we're going to do the whole chapter. I'm going to summarize part of the chapter for you. It is possible to come for you to choose God's plan in the bad times. It's possible to choose God's plan in the bad times. And the bad times that we're going to refer to in this text are when you've been disobedient to God, when you've slipped up, and when you've messed up, when sinned against God and you're under conviction there's 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 a need for you to make adjustments it's possible for you to choose God's plan choose God's plan when you've messed up what Deuteronomy or Jeremiah 21 is all about so there's there's a king and a priest mentioned in verse 1 King Zedekiah uh, and then uh, Pashur the son of uh, me, whatever that guy's name is, and then Zephaniah, the son of that other guy, um, the priest, they send these two priests with to go to Jeremiah, the great prophet who speaks for God, and the king says, please ask God not to let Babylon, the great mighty warring Babylon, come in and sweep through Israel and wipe it out. Please ask God to do that. So Jeremiah gets a word from God, and here's the word from God. Jeremiah verse, or uh, yeah, verse Chapter 21, verse 3, Jeremiah replied, Go back to King Zedekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I will make your weapons useless against the king of Babylon, the Babylonians who are outside your walls attacking you. In fact, I'm going to bring your enemies right into the heart of this city. I myself will fight against you a strong hand and a powerful arm, for I'm very angry with you. Why? Because Israel has taken on foreign gods. They're worshiping the wrong guy. They're worshiping themselves. They're worshiping foreign idols and gods. They're, they're sinning in so many ways. If you read the backstory to what the Babylonian captivity is all about, Israel just it was just completely defiant to God. No matter how often he called them into repentance, they just kept defying, 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 defying. And God said, now you're going to be in a timeout. You ever have to do that? Okay. I have had enough, right? Sit. We're done. There will be no more talking. There'll be no more begging, no more pleading, because this, this is the, the priest and the king. The two priests and the king are pleading with God, please give us one more chance. He's like, if you study the history, he's given them hundreds and hundreds of very specific repentant path plans. They would not take it. They would not take it. So here's what God's going to do. He's going to put Israel in a timeout. It's called the Babylonian captivity. He's put them in other timeouts. Egyptian, uh, Egyptians had a timeout with them, right? But he, he's going to put them in a timeout where they literally are captive to a foreign land. And they do not have their own identity for a little while. It's very important that they learn in that time how to worship God. There's a psalm that says, By the waters of Babylon we lay down and wept when we remembered what it was like to be in Zion without Babylonians running us. We miss that. God needed them to get into captivity to understand it. So this is literally their discipline, their punishment, right? I'm just here to t tell you the true thing about God. He is a true and faithful servant of us, and he doesn't want you to be bad kids. He doesn't want, you to, he doesn't want to raise a bunch of Christian brats. 
So he's not going to let you get away with a bunch of sin. He's just not going to let you keep sinning and talking like you're not sinning, which is what Israel was doing. So now he's putting them in captivity, and when it comes right down to it, he says, look, you, he, here's the best thing you can do. Here's what God tells them. Verse 8, tell all the people, this is what the Lord says, take your choice of life or death. Same thing in the Psalm 1, life or death. Choose life or death, right? How do I do that? Everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war, famine, or disease. But those who go out and surrender to the Babylonians, surrender to, what's the will of God? These d- disobedient children, you need to get into a timeout right now. You're going to go into some discipline, some hard stuff so I can grow you up, so I can mature you. You know that you can choose God even when he needs to discipline you. If you love him, if you understand how much he loves you, you can choose him. The whole point of this morning's message is life is in God. Whether he's disciplining you or whether he's blessing you, life is with him. And he's telling the Israelites in a physical way, if you and surrender to the Babylonians, you'll live. If you fight my plan to discipline you, you're going to end up dead. That's what he's telling them, right? So, but he says their reward will be life. Verse 10, for I have decided disaster not good upon this as the Lord it will be handed over to the king of Babylon and he will reduce it to ashes. So the, the life and death is what God offers. This very day, he wants you to choose him. And if you're in sin, he wants you to repent of that sin. Now, there may be some consequences to that repenting that you need to surrender to, surrender to in discipline, saying, Lord, whatever, whatever the consequences of my sins are, I surrender to that now. And I want to be in your plan, not my plan. I don't want you to cheat the system for me. Y'all ever ask God to cheat the system for you? <laughs> right? Could you just please ignore that last thing that happened and try to get me out of all that trouble I'm in, right? So I'm going to give you three quick New Testament calls for the New Testament to, to show us how the Word of God from the Old Testament New Testament is clear. John chapter 5, verse 24. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. If you listen and believe, by the way, when he says believe, it, it means to commit and follow. That's what he wanted his New Testament followers, to, uh, Christian believers to be his followers. So those who listen and believe have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. When will you be condemned for your sins according to God? If you believe in him, when? Never condemned for your sins. Can't happen. They will never be condemned for their sins, Right? Uh, but they have already passed from death into life. When you choose to believe in God, Jesus is teaching this to his followers. When you choose to believe in God, my Father, and that I'm from him, you've passed from death to life. You moved over to the right side of that. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the standeth in the center, nor sitteth in the seat of the scoffer. His delight is in the law of the Lord, right? He will be like a tree planted. So here's the other. Blessed by God when we honor God. We're favored and blessed by God when we honor God and live for Him. When we honor God, live for Him. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 14. Apostle Paul makes it crystal clear. We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the... Right. Christ died and rose for this very purpose. The whole purpose of Christ 
Death on the cross was so that you could have life in him and live for him, not for yourself. The wicked man lives for himself. It's in Psalm chapter 1. The wicked man lives for himself and ends up in a destroyed place. The righteous, blessed, and favored man lives for God. In fact, here's the other contrast in that psalm very quickly. Psalm 1, the first three verses is about a tree. A big, huge, beautiful tree planted by the rivers of water that's full of life. You know that a real good tree, strong tree like it's described there, is filled with life. Every leaf on it has life. Everything that tree does offers life. We breathe what that tree exhales, right? And 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 around that tree, nested in that tree are birds and squirrels. Around that tree are, are the the animals of the forest that can find shade and shelter there in storms. A big, strong tree is filled with life and offers life to everything that comes in contact with it. That's what a big tree does. Here's what it says in Psalm 1. If you're a follower of God, favored by God, you're going to have life in you and offer life to everybody around you. But the wicked are not so, verse 4. The wicked are like the chaff which the wind drives away. One of the only things in the Old Testament culture, the agrarian culture of the Old Testament, that you could not find anything to do with it. You tried to save everything you had back then, but chaff, which is a little skin off the husk of wheat, just blows away in the wind because it's not alive. It's dead. It's lifeless. And they, it has no value at all. I always tell people if you can't figure out what chaff is, if you've eaten a can of planter's peanuts before, just the peanuts, when you get down to the bottom of the last two or three peanuts and there's all those little brown skins of the peanuts that are down there that you can't even get your hand on, they're so thin, that's, that's chaff. So here's, here's the contrast in Psalm chapter 1. The man of God is like a tree. The woman of God is like a tree. She, she offers life to everyone around her. You can come to her for counsel and guidance because she is filled with the life that God gave her because she's meditating on the Word and standing strong in the Word. She's not seeking counsel and guidance. She's not hanging out with sinners and all that. We're going to go through all that chapter, verse 1, here next week. But the, but the man who's not following God is literally dead and has no life to offer anyone. He might be having a lot of fun, by the way, in his wickedness, but he has no life to offer anyone. He's on a pathway to destruction that's going to destroy anybody and everybody in his You see the picture in the psalm? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, we're favored and blessed by God when we choose to serve him. Paul says to Timothy, Solemnly, verse 1, chapter 4, solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who, is, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patient, correct, patiently correct. Rebuke and encourage your with good teachings. So he is judge of the living and the dead. Life and death are judged by God. You know what he's going to judge it by? Whether you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here's our last note for the day. Today you can choose to follow God and be favored by him because of Jesus' death and burial on the cross. This is why you can choose to follow God. Because Jesus died on the cross to make this possible for all. You understand? The only way you can get to choose life is because Christ chose it for you. And then he offers it to you. He offers it to you. You can choose to follow God and be favored by him 
if you choose Christ. That's the conclusion. If you choose Christ as his atonement and his sacrifice on the cross for you, every single person in this room, we're all, especially the guy holding the microphone, we're all sinners. We all deserve to die and go to hell. And Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, to redeem us and restore us and take away our sins and carry them to the cross and wash us clean in his blood and clothe us in his righteousness. So the only way you get to have this beautiful, abundant life is through Christ. You have to choose Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior.